0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This series, we're in six things Jesus said. It's going to be a six-part series. Probably figured that out. We're in week three, so we're going to look at something that Jesus talked about. But the whole purpose of this series was... You know, as we were talking about what series to do, we said we want to do a series making sure that we are fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Amen? To know who he is, what he has said. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And yes, of course, throughout the year we need to teach on things such as faith, right? We are people of faith. We're called to live by faith. We have to teach about healing. We have to teach about finances. All that is so important. But first and foremost, we need to know who Jesus is. Why? Because... You might know what the Bible says about faith or about healing, but if you truly don't know who Jesus is, it is going to be harder for you to stand upon that word and receive that word if you don't know the one who spoke that word. Amen? But when you know who Jesus is, and when you read his word and you know his character and how much he loves you and who he is, you will be able to grab hold and stand upon the words that he says. Amen? So the whole purpose is to turn our attention to Jesus. He is our Lord. He's our Savior. And Hebrews 12 Verses 1 through 2 says this. This is speaking to all of us. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're all on a race. So Jesus comes back and we take our last breath. When you receive Jesus, you are on a course. You have a purpose and you are on a race. Amen? And it says, what are we supposed to do while we're on that race? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're supposed to look unto Jesus. That's what this whole series is all about. And you know, it is so important. The more I realize, even in a natural sense, you know, when we're on this race spiritually. We need to be keeping our eyes straight ahead, focused upon Jesus. Why? Because there are circumstances and distractions coming at us each and every day. In a natural sense, if you are running, it is good to look straight. You know, I see that in my two-year-old daughter. She has this thing. She's running, and she looks backwards. Almost every time, she runs into something. When she does that, she hasn't learned yet. It's just a thing. But it's so funny because, you know, no matter what, when we when we're running, Look forward. Because when you start, you could be running, and if you start getting distracted and looking this way and looking that way, you might trip, you might stumble into something, you might run face first into something. So even in our spiritual race, we keep our eyes upon Jesus. Why? Because when those circumstances come, our eyes are still fixed on Him. Why? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. Amen? He is the initiator of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And think about it, if he did not take, Jesus did not take that, if he didn't take that first step to draw our hearts to the Father, we would be hopelessly lost forever. He took that first step. So in this series, in part one, two weeks ago, just a really quick review. The scripture we looked at, what we looked at what Jesus said was in John 14, verses 6, starting in verse 6. And it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that, we started off, because first and foremost, we need to know that Jesus is the only way unto the Father. Amen? He is the way, the truth, and the life. What He did when He purchased our, when He took our sins and He purchased our salvation upon the cross, and He died for us and rose again, that is the way to the Father. Not by how good we are, but by putting our faith in what He did. It is the only way, and we need to know that wholeheartedly. Amen? In 1 Timothy two five says there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus and then last week in part two we looked at matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 and jesus says and this this is so powerful he says these words he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest that is powerful amen we need to live in a place of rest We are called to live in a Rest isn't just a a one-day thing. Rest isn't just a, oh, I can't wait until I can take a vacation months from now. No, we should be living in a state of rest. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything. That doesn't mean we sit down all day. No, but living in a state of rest is who we're trusting in. And Jesus said, "I will give you rest." He says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Remember, our souls are our mind, will, and emotions. That's what we need rest for. Amen. That's what we need rest for. He says, "For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." And when we read this, and Matthew is the is the one who recorded these words that Jesus said, and. As we read this, I'm probably thinking, Matthew, he was a tax collector, and he must have just been thinking about, man, he had the pressures of the everyday life. He was going and collecting tax from people, and they didn't like him. Why? Because he was collecting tax. And then the Romans were breathing down his neck to to collect more tax than the people owed, so they can give the money to them. He must have been thinking, man, I'm stressed out every day. I wake up, I do this. I go home, I eat, I go to sleep. I wake up, I do it again. And he must have been thinking, the greatest day in my life was when I left all of that and went to follow Jesus. And he got that rest. And we talked about yoke. What is a yoke? We talked about that. It's like two oxen when you, they would yoke together. An older one and a younger one. A stronger one and a weaker one. And we need to make sure that Jesus says we yoke to him. We attach to him so we let him direct us. We let him guide us. Because true rest, peace, and calm is found in him. Amen? He says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. So now as we go into part three of this six-part series... Again, our goal is to get our focus back on Jesus, to draw from his presence, to draw strength from his presence, to experience his grace and peace through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. And John 15, and that's what we're going to look at. And in some ways, it is one of the most, could be one of the most misunderstood and mistranslated verses of scripture. And this is a familiar parable about growth that was in many of Jesus' teachings. Jesus, he says, he speaks of fruit, then more fruit. There's no shortcut to bearing fruit, right? Because we're called, if, if you've received Jesus, we're not called to stay the same. We're called to grow, amen? We're called to bear fruit. Well, what is that? Our lives, people should see a difference in our lives, right? We're called to bear fruit. We're not called to stay the same. We're called to grow. And Jesus says in John 15, 1 through 6, and this is the scripture we're looking at for part three of what Jesus said. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they gather them, and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, if we don't fully grasp the true meaning of this scripture, it's a very powerful scripture. But I remember when I first read it, it could be also a very frightening scripture. Because you could be thinking, oh, well, if I'm not bearing fruit, I'm in trouble. It says, you don't bear fruit, he sees that he cuts off, he takes away. And then verse 6, he says, he throws them into the fire and they are burned. So that could be a little scary if, if you don't really truly understand this scripture. Because this scripture, in some ways, to us, if we don't understand it, it could put Jesus in a different light. It can cause us to run from him rather than to be drawn to him. And that is not what we want to do. Amen? And unfortunately, that is what a lot of people do. And I've been there before too. You feel like you've messed up. You feel like you fall short. You're not living maybe how you should be. And our natural sense is to run from God. That's our natural sense. We saw it with Adam and Eve in the garden. They sinned. What did the first thing they do? They ran from God. They didn't run to him. But God doesn't want that. He wants us to run to him. Amen? He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We need to draw near to him. He wants us to run to him. But a lot of the times, this scripture could cause us to run from him. Now we know Jesus. He is faithful. He's a caretaker. Amen? And he's talking about this parable. And he's saying the person is going through the, the vineyard. And he's going through and he's inspecting the condition of the branches. And at first glance... In this parable it could look like the inspector is looking for the unproductive branches so he could cut them off and throw them into the fire that's how this parable could look at first glance if we don't truly understand it and when we think about that we it's so natural to think well how could this be possible because this is the same God that said he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus to die for us so we could be in right relationship with him in John 3:17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, him, uh, through the world, through him, everyone might be saved. That is, gives their life to him. So this could be confusing for us. How could God say this, but yet he says that? Right? John 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. If we know the story, you know, of the woman of the well, Jesus, he used an illustration. What do you think? Why would he use this illustration, this parable, to cause fear and punishment from him when he is the same person that rescued a woman who was condemned to death? I want to look at John 8. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was ca- caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus, what did he do? He stooped down. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, because they're all like guilty, right? We've all sinned. We've all fall short. Convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, with the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We see just the love of God here. We see the love of God. He says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Because I want what's best for your life because of how much I love you. But there's no condemnation. So when we read this, and then we go back to that parable, it's a little confusing to think. Jesus, it doesn't sound like the character of Jesus and the love of God, that in a moment, if we're struggling and we're not bearing fruit, that he would cut us off and cast us away. That doesn't sound like him, right? Right? Exactly, it doesn't sound like him. We see all throughout Scripture his love and how he restores people, how he is still in the restoration business, and how faithful he is. And the truth really in this parable is found in verse two. In verse two, when it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, takes away that word takes away. When we think of that and it says takes away away, and then he's going to cast it away, you just think of somebody maybe with a blade or whatever. I don't think, I'll I'll say scissors. I don't think they had scissors back then. A blade, something sharp, cutting off, right, and throwing away. When When we hear takes away, we think he's taking away. But if you go back to the original language of this scripture and how it should be translated, we find the words takes away is actually and can be translated lifted up. There's a huge difference there. See, in the original language, it's not translated, it takes away. It's saying lifted up. So when we go back and read that, it would say, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And if we study the life of a vine dresser, of a vine dresser, vine dresser, this explanation, it makes way more sense. See, the owner of a vineyard They want profit, not loss. Any owner of anything, right? You don't go into something thinking, I can't wait to take a huge loss. No, you don't. If that is your mindset, don't go into it, right? That's not their mindset. Their mindset is, I'm going to make a profit. So either that person, the owner, or somebody on their staff, they would have the responsibility to go out into the vineyard to inspect the branches to see if any of them have fallen off. The vine and fall into the ground. If they're hanging on the ground, if they fall into the ground. And if they have in the mud, you know those grapes, whatever they could be, they could be subject to fertilizer, whatever is there, worms, insects, moldy, they could be. So any vine dresser with any common sense, they're not going to cut off the clusters of grapes and throw them away. Why? Because that would be a loss. That wouldn't result in a profit. So what do they do? The inspector, what the inspector does is they take those clusters that have fallen off, they take them off and they get a bucket of clean water and a soft washcloth and they gently picks up the fruit. They wash it clean. They wash the fruit clean. And then what do they do? They reconnect it to the vine. Do you see what I'm saying here? They reconnect it to the vine. Because only a fool would actually take them and cut them off and throw them away. Because a wise person would reposition it. So why? So it can once again produce fruit. They connect it to the vine. They reposition it so once again it can collect, it can start bearing fruit. That is what Jesus does with us. See, our Father is the vine dresser. Jesus says He is the vine. The vine is what all the branches draw life from. That's what all the branches draw life from. They don't draw life from themselves. They draw life from the vine. And if I've actually been studying this, looking through it all week and just reading things, they say the ones even closest to the vine, the ones that get closest, they bear more fruit. Why? Because the closer they're connected to the vine, the more fruit they're bearing. Why? Because they're getting the most life because they are closest to the vine. So Jesus says he is divine. So it says, when we have, if you look at it in this way, when we have fallen away from him, what do I mean by that? Maybe our focus hasn't been on them. Maybe we've been going through some things. Maybe we've made some bad decisions. We've all been there, right? If I said, who has ever made a bad decision? Who has ever sinned? And you didn't raise your hand, you would be lying, which means you should sin and you should raise your hand. Anyway, so what does they do? He doesn't cut off and takes away. No, they takes it. They lift it up, wash it off, restore it, then reposition it. With the vine, why? So it would bear fruit and start getting life again. Because Jesus is the source of our life. So do you see, if we need to fully understand what this parable is, because the truth is, we're again, going back to it, we're humans we mess up. And the enemy, the most thing he will use is guilt and condemnation in our lives. When he sees an opening, he will go full force to use guilt and condemnation for us to stop seeking God, for us to start drawing away from God. Why? Because the farther we draw away from God, we're not getting that life that he wants to give us. But when we draw close to him and we connect ourselves, we are getting that life of God in us. He is the, our Heavenly Father, again, is the vine dresser, and Jesus is the productive vine. Now, so when we see that scripture again, we see that Jesus says, what would it be translated? I'm going to go through it again. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. No, every branch that does not bear fruit, he what? Lifts up. He lifts up, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And then he says, and I, I love this, because I've been looking at this all week. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to. you. See, it lifts up. He's cleaning us off. He wants to reconnect us to the vine. And then verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless what? We abide in him. He says, unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing do you know that is actually really good news without Jesus we can do nothing I don't take that as something that's I take that as good news because it makes me go okay it is very true without him I can do nothing so you know what I'm definitely not going to try to do anything on my own I know what will happen I've been there I've done that it's not good he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. And if they gather them, throw them into the fire, they are burned. Now, I love this because I just keep thinking about it. Going up, Jesus, what has When we have fallen away, when we're going through something, he wants to grab us. He wants to wash us off, restore us, and attach us to the vine. That's what our Heavenly Father wants to do. Attach us to the vine. And then Jesus, after that, he doesn't stop. He says, abide in me, because that is key. To abide in him. To abide with him. See, Jesus, when he says that, abide in me, he's talking about the will, about the choices, about the decisions that we make. He wants us to abide in him. When we do things, we must decide to do things which expose ourselves to him and keep ourselves in contact with him. Again, the closer that, the, in a natural sense, the branches to the vine, the more fruit it produces. The closer we are going to Jesus on this journey, on this race that we're in, we are going to bear more fruit in this life. Amen? We are supposed to abide with him. And I was looking up that word abide, and, and that word abide, it really stresses consistency. Do you know that? Like our, our, our life with Jesus, and, and I can get very much like, man, I just want to take any with almost with anything. I would just want to take a huge step, right? Anybody like just something, and you just want it to happen tomorrow, right? Normally, life doesn't work like that. At least I've, I've seen in, in my life it doesn't. It's about consistency. We want spiritual growth, right? All of us, we want to grow, and we just want to go, man, I just want to take that gigantic leap. That gigantic leap happens when we take little steps, little faithful steps, being consistent in our, in our walk with Jesus. And the word abide stresses consistency. See, going through spells where we really seek God will not substitute for abiding in God. What do I mean by that? Because it can be very natural to seek God when we are going through something. I know I've been there. Something happens. A tragedy happens. And of course, you need to seek God wholeheartedly. But if that is the only time that we decide to seek God, we're not really abiding in God. Because abiding in God is all about consistency. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a Monday through Sunday. It's a 24-7. It is a relationship. It's abiding with Him. And that is how we produce more fruit. Amen. Jesus says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And that is the purpose of the branches. Going back to that parable, the purpose of those branches is to bear fruit. That's one of our purposes. We are called, if you're a Christian, we are called to grow and bear fruit. Amen? But a lot of people, we can go through this life without bearing fruit because we think when we mess up or we fall short that God can't use us anymore. Well, God, how can God use somebody like me? How can God? I've messed up so much times. God, he no, no. He should just cast me away. No, 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 no. That's not what he wants to do. He wants to wash you off, restore you, and reconnect you. And then why? He wants you to bear fruit in this life. But the enemy will try to get into us that God couldn't use somebody like you. You're not smart enough. You're not funny enough. I don't know. You you don't sing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. See, God has given us all gifts and talents. You, each and every one of us in here, is unique. And God has a purpose for each and every person in here's life. He says he has plans, a good plan for us to give us a hope, to give us a future. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. And he wants us to bear fruit in this life. But we need to make sure we are abiding in him. And we need to know that, yes, there are going to be times where we fall short. Yes, there are going to be times where we feel like we have fallen off the vine. But that doesn't mean that we quit. That's when we come to God, God, restore me, reconnect me, and I'm going to keep going forward. Amen? See, the Father, He seeks fruit in our lives. And and John, going back to 15 and now just verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So he's saying, he wants you to bear much fruit. My Father is going to be glorified. And without him, we can't do that. Why? Because apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. Amen. We can do nothing. So when we fall off the vine and we get ourselves in the mud again, and when we feel like that, we're in the mud, Jesus, what happens? The author and the the completer of our faith, he comes, and what does he want to do? He wants to wash us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to pick us up from when we fall off the vine, and he wants to gently restore us. Why? So we will bear much fruit. Amen? I want to look at something with Peter. I just love, I don't know, in the Gospels and just in Scripture, I love reading about Jesus and Peter. And this is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul's writing this, and he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, talking about Peter, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. So Cephas is Simon Peter. He's talking about Peter here. Peter here, and it seems like Jesus had a private meeting with Peter before he even went to the other disciples. He had a private meeting, and is it possible? See if you know the story of Peter. Before Jesus died, Peter denied Jesus three times. You want to talk about like you feel like you have fallen off the vine. He denied Peter three times before Jesus went to the cross. Sorry, Peter denied Jesus three times before he went to the cross to die. And Jesus meets with him first. So is it possible that the vine dresser, the vine, met with Peter before any other disciples in order to what? To wash him, to restore him, and to reconnect him to the vine. He didn't cast him away. He restored him. He washed him. He reconnected him to the vine. Because if we what we can know through this is throughout Scripture that Peter is completely changed after the resurrection of Jesus. He is completely changed. He's sold out to Jesus like never before. He's bolder like never before. He preaches with so much boldness that so many thousands got saved when, Jesus, when Peter preaches after Jesus, after the resurrection. He preaches with such a boldness about who Jesus is. And I think that we conclude that Peter, who he definitely had to feel like he fell off the vine and into the mud the night that he denied Jesus. And the night that Jesus was arrested and he denied him is not the same Peter that was in the book of Acts. Why? Did Did he get cast away? No. He got lifted up, he got restored, and he got reconnected to the vine. And then what happens? He bared much fruit for God, and God was glorified. See, Peter was rescued by the vine dresser. He's been washed with the water of the word, and he's baptized into Christ to never be separated again. He's producing fruit that still remains. To this day, we're reading his words. In, in, in 1 Peter, Second Peter, we're seeing him in, in the Bible. We're seeing the examples that he set. So my question to, to all of us, and, and us here is, have you, have you fallen off the vine? Or do you feel like you've fallen off the vine? Do you feel like right now you're, you're wallowing in the mud? Maybe do you feel like I'm not producing the fruit like I feel like I used to in the past? Well, Romans 8, I want to read this. In Romans 8 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So powerful words that Paul wrote there. Somebody that you want to talk about. He used to have people arrested and killed for believing in Jesus that could have been living even with a guilt and condemnation on him, even after he knows he's been changed, but thinking about what he did. But he knew there was nothing that could separate him from the love of God. Because why now he was connected to the vine? He was connected to the vine. Don't let the enemy of our souls, because listen, we have an enemy. See, we have to understand that. We have an enemy that is out to seek, kill, and destroy. Don't let the enemy of our souls keep up some torment and try to remind us, yes, you've fallen. You've fallen. You're wallowing in the mud right now. You've fallen off the vine. And he wants to keep that in your mind because, listen, you may be here, maybe you feel like you've fallen from your position on the vine, but you are not disconnected from the vine. You may feel like you've fallen, but you are not disconnected. Jesus wants to pick you up, wash you off, and reconnect you so you bear much fruit. And that same chapter again, Paul wrote this. He says, "What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies." Who is he who condemns It is God it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercessions for us And then verse 38 Paul writes these words. He says, For I am persuaded, and I believe somebody, you're going to hear this, and I pray it changes your life. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the Christian, and maybe you're in here, you feel discouraged, and I'm just any person, you feel discouraged. This scripture, it gives us assurance that Christ's love is present. It's active at every moment in our life. It is active in every moment of our life. Because think about it, are there any other causes of discouragement greater than the one Paul's had? Paul, again, he knows what his past life was like. Listen, we all could probably talk about our past lives and what we've done. Paul literally arrested people for believing in Jesus and had them killed. And then, listen, you won't talk about discouragement? Most of the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, he wrote from prison. He had people coming after him. And yet, through whatever discouragement there could have been going on, he literally says, he writes these words, We can never be separated from the love of Christ, no matter what comes at us, no matter what's going on that's something that listen i know it maybe it sounds simple but that's something we need to remind ourselves every day especially every day you turn on the news or you go on social media and you're going what's what's going on with this world this world's crazy we shouldn't be too surprised the world's crazy and you know what it's probably going to keep getting crazier until jesus comes back but whatever's going on we need to know before anything nothing can separate us from the love of god And we need to go and tell people that too because there are people who feel empty and don't feel loved and feel like they are wallowing in the mud and they are hopeless and they need to know that there is a God that wants to restore them, that wants to cleanse them and that wants to connect them to His Son. I want to do two things. The first is, I want to extend an altar call. Obviously, first and foremost, most important thing is for, for salvation. For anybody here today, and if you're watching online, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to make sure we give you that opportunity too. And then I want to do another prayer after that. But first, if you are here or you're watching and you have never given your life to Jesus, what do I mean by that? I mean, you've never surrendered your life and said, God, I cannot do this alone. I need a savior. I need to be connected to the one who truly gives life. Listen, going back to Paul, it's not about how good you are. It's not about what you've done. Because if that was it, we all fall short. You could be a very good person, but compared to Jesus, we all fall short. It's not about how good we are. It's about receiving what he did over 2,000 years ago at the cross when he died and when he rose again. And Paul, that same Paul who wrote in Romans 8, two chapters later in Romans 10, he says that if you believe Jesus is God's son, you believe he rose from the dead. It says if you believe that, And you confess that, you say that, you pray that. He says, you are saved. What does he mean? You are in right relationship with God. You are a new person. It says, you are sealed with God's spirit in that moment. You don't need to worry about if you took your last breath, what would happen or where you would go, where you would spend eternal life. Because eternal life is a real thing. So why don't we all do this? Let's just bow our heads and shut our eyes. Why don't we all repeat this prayer? And listen, if you're here and you're praying this prayer, you're watching online, for the first time know that your life is going to be completely changed you are going to become a child of God amen so I want you to repeat this with me Father God I believe that you sent your son Jesus to go to the cross on my behalf and to die for me and I believe he rose again so this day I surrender my life to you I give my all to you. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Sealing me with your spirit. And I am now a child of God. And I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give it up for people that prayed that prayer. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, you are. we just welcome you into the kingdom of God. Amen. Into the family of God. God has plans and a future and a purpose for you. Now, also with this message, and I, I pray we've got an understanding and seen this parable in a different light and realized, because again, we all have moments where we feel like we've fallen short and made some bad decisions, whatever it may be, but that we could see that Jesus wants to restore us. He is in the restoration business. He wants to reconnect us to the vine. So again, just out of respect for everybody, if we could just bow our heads and shut our eyes, and if you're in here, and maybe you've been struggling with that, you've been struggling with guilt and condemnation, or you feel like, hey, I'm not bearing fruit like I used to. I'm not seeking God. I'm not in his word. I feel far from him. Again, know this, God says draw to him and he will draw near to you. Even if you're running, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not running from you. He is there waiting with open arms. He doesn't want to cast you away. He wants to restore you, to cleanse you, and to connect you, reconnect you back to the vine. So if that's you and you're here and you feel like I need that restoration in my life, if that's you, with all heads bowed and eyes shut, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God sees you, and and I'm going to pray over you, and I want you to receive it. Receive that God is connecting you in this moment to the vine. Amen. Father, I pray for those right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that, Father, that need restoration in their life. Father, you know who they are, the ones that are here, that raise their hands, the one watching online, Lord, you know who they are and you meet them where you're at. Father, I thank you that you begin this process in their lives right now, Father. That, Father, in this moment, you are picking them up, Father. You are restoring them. You are cleansing them. You are reconnecting them, restoring them to the vine, Father, where the life of God will be pouring through them and they will bear fruit in this life, Lord God. Father, you are our restorer and I thank you for the work that is going on in their lives in this moment, Father. And that they will continue to walk out, Father. That they have a renewed hunger for you and for your word, Father. And I pray against the enemy that will continue maybe to bring that condemnation or that guilt. I pray against that in the name of Jesus, Father. Because they know your thoughts that are towards them. And they are good thoughts to give them a hope, to give them a future, Father. Just like Jesus didn't condemn that woman, Father. You don't condemn them, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for that, Lord God. Thank you for who you are, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is good. Listen, if you raise your hand and and I pray you receive that, but please, we're going to be dismissed in a couple seconds. If that was you and you want to come up here, we have our prayer workers here. We would love to just, if if you just need continued prayer, to pray with you, to minister to you. And if you receive Jesus for the first time, don't just walk out these doors. Come up here and tell us because you are in the beginning of a journey with God. And we want to give you a Bible. We want to give you materials that are going to help you on this journey. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.